another edition of the Air It Out podcast presented by Inside the Hashes. My name is Juan Gray, and I'm joined in a Skype call with a couple of contributors today. I got Jerome Jones behind the glass and in contribution today. What's up, man? And I got Chris Thomas in, in Skype with uh, the other contribution today. How are you, Chris? I'm good. How about yourself, man? Well, unfortunately, we're not joined by Mr. Avery Collins today. Wish him nothing but the best in his endeavors. For today, guys, I'm exhausted. And this 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 past weekend has been just just crazy in terms of well, not weekend. Yesterday, I'm left exhausted from yesterday. I'm jumping mm. into one of one of today's topics today. Like I'll get to the rundown later, but we're gonna talk about first today's topic the, with the McCag Mike McCagnan issue that happened. That's happening in New York. Unless you're a sports fan living under a rock, New York Jets fired uh, four-year general manager Mike McCagnan in a statement released by uh, Jets owner Chris Johnson. He McCagnan, along with the vice president of player personnel, have both have were both terminated. A lot, and there's been just a huge uproar from the New York media in terms of why he's been fired, from ranging from his indecisiveness as a GM to ever pull the trigger on certain decisions, to the players that he signed in terms of Le'Veon Bell and TJ Mosley, not in terms of their talent, but in terms of their price tag, to the fact that he's great in the first round, but whenever he's had to make a decision in rounds two through seven, he's been hit or miss, to say the least, and just so many other reasons. Guys, I'm a Jets fan, biased to say the least in terms of where this is going. So I'm just going to leave the conversation up to you guys. What do you guys think of the Jets firing McCagnan now after the draft, after free agency, and after hiring Adam Gates? Chris, let me show up with you, bro. Um, I get the fact that GMs get you know fired all the time for incompetence in terms of not being able to build the team properly to get wins on the board. But I just feel the timing is a little weird. You wait till after free agency, after draft, after you already hired your new head coach and Adam Gase, and now after you fire her, all the reports about Adam Gase not wanting Le'Veon Bell to begin with, not at that price, him not getting a C, him not wanting to get CJ Mosley. Uh, maybe down the line, we're probably going to hear about how he wasn't happy with the uh, the decision to get Quentin Williams. Uh, who knows? But I just felt like in a situation like that. Um, the general manager and the head coach need to be uh, a well a well collective unit. And if the head coach you're bringing in is not on the same page in terms of the in terms of the general manager what he wants to do, then it's going to be doomed to fail. Now there were reports of um, conflict between Gase and McCagney over the past couple of weeks in terms of how they want the organization to be run and where the direction that the team is going, but. Then you had Adam Gates go on a press conference saying that he's angry at the media for playing up uh, a smokescreen of a rumor about them having conflict only for a couple a uh, couple of days later to see McCagney get fired. Jerome, with Adam Gates having lied to the to the media in terms of the relationship with him and McCagney, it's similar to when David Gellman lied about not trading Odell Beckham Jr. Are we going to start seeing a rise in the NFL personnel just – straight up lying to the media now to the fans um this is nothing new i mean <laughs> it's been going on for years just coaches lying about you know certain things and just kind of covering themselves and covering what's actually going on um you know sometimes it's to protect themselves sometimes it's just to protect the organization 
sometimes to protect the player. Um, coaches lying is nothing new. Um, it's going to keep happening. It's not going to stop. Um, so I, I just don't think it's a huge thing that he lied because I, I feel like every coach lied at some point in their career. So as far as um, the the whole firing aspect of it, I feel differently than you you guys do about the timing. Um, I think that after you hire a new coach and you're getting into the offseason and you're not sure how, and this comes to being a new um, owner um, himself, but you got a, you got a GM that's been there for a while. You bring in a, a, head, a new head coach. You don't know how that relationship is going to mesh. So you go into the offseason with who you have because you can't fire a guy before your offseason start, because, especially a GM, because they run the whole operations for, you know, um, free agency and um, the draft and everything like that. So you can't fire him at that point. Um, and this this offseason, you know, they got some good pieces. It's, it's not like they got bad pieces. It was all about the money, um, how much money they gave to each player. Um, that's I, and I totally understand that part of it, but you can't fire your GM beforehand because a GM is hard to replace, and you can't just put that into that position to your your newly fresh head coach right away, like because he still have to get acclimated to how the organization is ran. He has to evaluate the players that he currently have on his roster, this, this and that. So you can't fire your GM at that time. And if you're going to fire a GM, I think right after the draft is the best time to do it. Because then, one, you can find another GM to replace that GM. You give that that new GM an entire whole season to get his scout, his get all his scouting scouting um crew together. Get you know the um or everybody under him. He could get that whole crew all together. They all can be cohesive. They can start order scouting, um, evaluating um, not only this draft class but future draft class. Try to get that you know um, mindset of who you want to draft at that point, and then you know you have the entire season to look at. All right, this is how our team performed. This is what we need, you know, and then just going to the draft rather than like doing it right before the draft or right after the the season. Like that's actually I feel like that's the worst time you can. Um, fire a GM. You could do that with a coach, but you can't do it for GM. In terms of his replacement, mm-hmm. uh, the Jets have two, two names in top consideration at the moment. The first is the uh, vice president of player personnel with the Philadelphia Eagles, and who seems to have a, a standing relationship with Adam Gase, and who's, who both seem like they would mesh well together. The other name thrown into the fire right now is NFL Network analyst and the replacement for former NFL draft analyst Mike Mayock, Daniel Jeremiah, who listen, whose podcast Move the Sticks I listen to on a regular basis. And let's say that Jeremiah does get the job with the New York Jets. This he would be the second um, network analyst turned GM since, of course, Mike Mayock went to the Raiders. And are we saying that now an analyst has just as much qualifications to start running? franchise as an executive. Jerome, uh, let me start off with you with that. No. And the reason why I say that is because both Mayock and Jeremiah had um, 
they had experience in the NFL already. Um, Daniel Jeremiah was a a scout for the Eagles before. Um, I think he was on the Browns at one point, too. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. He was a scout for the Ravens. Ravens, there you go. He was a scout for the Ravens. Excuse me. So he have experience as well. Um, Mike Mayer, he have his experience being um, a, a scout as well. He was actually a player as well. He went to Boston College, played in Boston College. So it's not like these guys are just getting pulled out of nowhere, out of thin air, and just being analysts on TV. Like these guys have that experience, and they have they already have connection. And uh, one thing about being a GM is it's really important to have connections in the NFL so you can make those deals or you can see what other you know teams are doing in the draft or um, how other teams feel about you know um, a, a price tag on a player things like that so they already have these relationships with the, the NFL not only that but like I said they already have um, been in the NFL with some NFL experience as well so it's not I don't think it's like totally off the wall that these two guys are being candidates for GM jobs because they're really smart. They know what they're talking about. Um, and a lot of people really look up to what their expertise is and what, you know, what they say online. So, Well, well for the new GM, uh, interim GM and head coach Adam Gase had no trouble starting uh, – the expedition of the roster in the sense of changing it to his image and what he, and he did so last night when he traded former first round pick linebacker Darren Lee to the Kansas City Chiefs for a sixth round pick in 2020 which as a Jets fan I have to say is a little disappointing because we drafted Darren Lee in the 20th overall in the 2016 NFL draft but now he's no longer on the roster and Ace is taking control of the roster, Chris. Let me ask you something: Is it smart to have your your head coach making executive decisions right now, as one who's who just fought for a power struggle against a GM and who's known for being a bit of a of, of a of a of a maverick as a as a NFL as an NFL personality? Um, I'm gonna say no because throughout um, you got to think about like the past 15 to 20 years in terms of. You know, head coaches who also oversee um, the day-to-day operations. It was only Bill Belichick and Chip Kelly have have only had those two uh, privileges of doing so. Obviously, Bill Belichick is the obvious exception because of what he's been able to do over a 20-year span. And then there's the extreme uh, con of Chip Kelly, who essentially gutted his entire team in one year and then immediately got fired right after that. Um I think coaches need to. I think coaches just need to coach. They have certain certain influences in terms of you know what players they want in their system, in terms of like, in terms of drafting like what player fits. But in terms of seeing over everything, you just need to let the general manager just do their job. I think it's just way too much of a palette for a head coach to do both, because uh, because how you're going to weigh the responsibilities of you know team building, uh, scouting getting the players where you need to be, and also game planning um, game planning on Sunday. So that's why, to me, it's a perfect op. That way, to me, it's better to delegate those responsibilities as opposed to just taking it all at once. Final, final question before we wrap up the subject. Guys, I'm, again, I'm a biased party in this discussion, so I'm just going to ask you guys point blank. 
is it the same old Jets in terms of how they've handicapped this franchise over the past 40 years in the history of the franchise? Or could we expect some optimism from this team? Chris, let me start off with you on that one. Um, yeah. Um, I, I was a big fan of their offseason still. They still, to me, have potentially what they have for a top 10 defense. Um, Sam Darnold was still a young, promising quarterback in this league. You still have Le'Veon Bell, who to me, even if even if he's still not the same Le'Veon Bell like you saw at Pittsburgh because of the talent that surrounds him, I still think he's still the best running back in football. And let's just see, like Adam Gase is also also a guy that uh, the Dolphins were a completely mediocre team before he got there, and he managed to get Ty Tannehill um, a starting caliber quarterback, and they got the. Dolphins to a playoff with a 10 6 record. Um, the talent is still there. Um, whether if Adam Gase is the right guy to pull this entire um, team together is still a different story. All right, Jerome. I totally agree with Chris. Um, the talent's there. It all depends on the coaching, but uh, I really think the Jets are uh, ascending, not descending. Um, I feel like they're making the right moves. Um, you know, they're, they're trying to change that culture that you're talking about now and i feel like you know if if you if i feel like if you stay if you're a bad team and you try if you're staying the same then you're going to continue being bad but like they're trying to make the changes now before you know so they can have a, a brighter future and it started with the picks um they got a new head coach now they just gotta get the gm that they that they like that's gonna mesh well with the co- the coach and you already got your young quarterback. You got a really good running back. You got, you know, a, a really good defense now. It looks really good on paper, at least. So I feel like they're they're making the right moves. Um, I'm not going to be the one to sit there and bash them for firing the GM because he was the GM there for a couple of years now. And, yes, he made some of those picks and things like that. But I just feel like if they, if they want to be able to – beat the Patriots, they have to make some changes anyway. So um, I'll take it there. And with that, we'll move on from the New York Jets. Godspeed. Um, right now, let's just jump into our, our usual subject that we're going to do, and we're going to jump into the rundown. The rundown. And the first thing we're going to talk about the rundown is a little bit of breaking news. Uh, per Adam Schefter on Twitter, Arizona's eight-time Pro Bowl cornerback Patrick Peterson has been suspended for the first six games of the NFL season due to uh, having failed a drug, uh, the NFL's performance-enhancing drug policy. Uh, and I'm looking at Jerome's face right now. I know this is supposed to be a little bit of a news recap, but I like reactions here, Jerome. Yeah! Wow! I mean, I'm a huge um, uh, Patrick Peterson fan. That that's surprising, man. That's very surprising. Wow. Chris, any quick thoughts? Well, if the Cardinals weren't already going to have a bad season, this just makes it worse. Uh, you trade Josh Rosen, Patrick Peterson's unhappy now. He fails a drug policy. Oh, Arizona! What is going on with you? 
Moving on to the rest of the, of the rundown, the Rams' cup runneth over as the Rams signed the linebacker Kettner Cup, an undrafted free agent and younger brother of star slot receiver Cooper Cup. Uh, like Cooper, Kettner attended Eastern Michigan where he racked up 267 tackles and three sacks in 48 games. With Gillian Barr syndrome kept him out of the 2018 season, Cowboy center Travis Frederick told ESPN that he is back, just to if not 100%. 28 former All-Pro linemen will not partake in drills when OTA is open and will likely miss June minicamp after having shoulder surgery to clean up a labor issue. Sticking with the Cowboys here, quarterback Dak Prescott told Cowboys.com that he wants to be a Cowboy for life. Quote, My whole focus is within the locker room, Prescott said. I've got people to take care of that. I've got a great team, team of agents, that's their job. Jerry Jones has said when, when he's had to that they are negotiating. But as far as I'm concerned, it's just about getting better, getting better as a quarterback, and getting better as a team. End quote. Uh, moving on to America's actual team, the New England Patriots. Uh, the Pats are bringing back an egg son for their defense. Her Ian Rappaport linebacker Jamie Collins is coming back to New England after being traded to Cleveland in 2016. Collins signed a four-year, $50 million deal with the Browns in 2017, delivered two lackluster seasons, and was promptly cut during the 2019 offseason. Lions have, have screwed up a lot of Hall of Fame careers in their, in their history. Now they're trying to establish the relationship of one of those careers. Uh, per Chicken Lives, former All-Pro receiver Alvin Johnson, and uh, Lions president Rod Wood are trying to amend their relationship between the embattled wide receiver and the Detroit Lions. Um, Calvin Johnson retired in 2015 after the Lions demanded that he returned $1 million of his $2.2 million signing bonus. And then finally, uh, we regret to inform you of the passing of Bill superfan Ezra Castro, or also known as Pancho Billa who passed away last week from cancer. Castro's last wish was to help people, specifically underprivileged kids, including the Ford school supplies. So former WGRZ sports anchor Jonah Javad helped carry out that wish, working alongside Bill's mafia founder, Reed, to start a fundraising campaign that, quote, will fill a backpack with $100 worth of school supplies. Each book bag would have a tag attached to it uh, that tells the children that these are gifts from Pancho Bella. And uh, rest in peace, Pancho Bella, guys. Mm. And that will conclude today's rundown. Ooh. Moving on to, to, to our second topic of today. Earlier this week, linebacker, Jacksonville Jaguar linebacker Telvin Smith to, uh, told reporters that he will not be participating in the Jaguars 2019 season. In a post on Instagram, he wrote, It was said to me, from a great coach that in order for the man to be his best, he must get his world in order. At this time, I must take time away from this game and get my world in order. I must give this time back to myself, my family, and my health. I appreciate all the support I will and will not get. I just ask y'all respect my decision not to play football this season. I know the rumors of trade talk came about, uh, but I started my career in Jacksonville, and the day I do decide to call it quits, it will be right here in Duval. End quote. Now, guys, we've seen uh, other players step away from the game for a certain amount of time. Le'Veon Bell stepped away for a year. 
mainly due to contract disputes, but he also stepped away in terms of maintaining his health once he became a free agent. But we also saw offensive linemen for the San Francisco 49ers and former Rutgers player, I have to add, uh, offensive lineman Anthony Davis step away from the game for about two years before coming back to the NFL and retiring again. Let me ask you this. Is it a good idea for NFL players to take a break from the game to not only heal their body and heal their mind, but actually put their life into perspective? Or is losing a year of playing football, can that do a lot of damage in terms of skill and familiarity with the game? Jerome, let me start off with you. Let me start off by saying I totally respect anybody that can man up and say, let me take a step back from the game I love that I've been playing since a, a kid. You know, like, if if it's that bad of a, like, you need to, like, really woosah, like, take a step back. Like, I, I, I totally respect it. Um, What... What he was, whatever's going on with him, we don't really know because he didn't um, release that information yet. Or if even if he doesn't, like it, honestly, it don't really matter because it it is all on what's going on with his personal life. And you know, for him to ask for respect, I really think that everybody should respect whatever's going on with him and pray for him. Hopefully, um, whatever's going on, it get resolved. Um, Rather, that's coming back to football or not. He's a great football player, really good football player. Um, uh, as far as I've seen, he seemed like a really nice, fun guy to have in the locker room. Um, all his teammates really liked him. Um, so I know they support his decision as well. Um, so I have absolutely no problem with a situation like this where it has to do with mental health or, you know, a problem that's going on with his family or um, things like that. I have absolutely no problem with that. The problem I have is when you come into the league and you're not passionate about really playing, but you know the money's there and then you quit. Um, I don't know if you guys know, but LJ Scott from uh, Michigan State, the running back from Michigan State, played for the uh the Browns, and he just quit football. That I don't respect because you have a team go and invest in you, even though he was undrafted, I believe. Um, but they still came in, um, you know, put you on their roster, and you say, hmm, I don't want to play no more, and you quit the, you quit the team. Um, that, that right there is what I don't respect. I feel like you're just quitting on a team because you had no passion for the game. If you had no passion for the game, you shouldn't you shouldn't just play. You know, you shouldn't. You know, if you feel some type of way because you wasn't drafted or whatever, I think that situation, I, I that I don't I don't like. So this is bringing back flashbacks of Vontae Davis for me. Oh yeah, yeah. When he quit in the middle of the game. <laughs> yeah, Chris, uh, your thoughts on Calvin Smith's abrupt uh, departure from the game of football? Um, when I was in school, I did a lot of research in terms of in terms of like the mental, like physical aspect of like athletes. Um, when I I just I did some studying in terms of why should college athletes be compensated and make money off their own likeness, and I did one research paper on the, the Kerr collar, which was supposed to be a collar to protect NFL players from concussions. 
So in regards to that, like learning all my findings, especially with now all the reports now of like uh, former former players still in the league, the movie uh, starring Will Smith concussion that came out years ago. Um, I applaud. Um, it sucks as a fan. You're lead, you're losing like a talented uh, player like a Talbot Smith. Um, especially for that Jacksonville defense, but you have to respect it because players now more than ever, the league isn't soft. And I'd hate the fact that people say that the league, the NFL, and the players now are getting soft. It's to me, the players are getting wiser now and taking their um, careers back to their hands instead of just in the hands of you know owners and coaches who only care about the bottom line. Uh, Talbot Smith is putting his um, health and uh, his family first, which I respect. And I, I, I applaud, I applaud him for it. I think a lot more athletes should do that now more than ever. If you love the game of football, then, then, then that's great. Then we're gonna, you know, respect you. You know, you um, out and you know, cheer for you every single week. But if you're gonna come to that decision that okay, maybe I need to take some time off, let my body recover, or the risk of me playing football is just not overall worth it, then respect my decision in terms of not following through. I think that's just something to respect. Like Alex Smith had a really severe uh, injury last year in Washington, if to the point where his career threatening. If he wants to come back, then you definitely deserve to be revered because you know not a lot of players are willing to come back from that. But if you decide that okay, this injury is way too much for me, I need to think about my life out after football, then his then his decision should also be respected as well. Which is having, it's not a growing trend exactly, but we could see something like this kind of like pick up as the league years go on. Do um, you think that there should be some sort of policy change within the NFL in terms of players taking a leave of absence from the game? Uh, should it be maybe give college players a year off to decide whether they even want to pursue the career in the first place? Or sort of policy change that the NFL can do to help players really weigh their options here in terms of participating in a sport that has been known to cause irreversible damage to, to the knees, to the brain, to any part of your body. This is a contact sport. Uh, is there something that the NFL can do to try to help players really really think about if they want to pursue knowledge or other stuff too? Um, okay, so while you was talking, I was originally shaking my head no because I feel like – I just feel like it's already in a place where players can kind of take off but then as I was thinking about it, like, the players take off, but they don't get no money for it. Like, I think there should be something where there's some kind of rule where you can get a year off and get, like, a few bucks from it. Like, you know, maybe, like, a, like $100,000 or something like that. Something very, very minimal. for So you can kind of, like, still take that step back and still get, you know, some kind of play and then that I feel like that will keep the player like um more engaged of like all right maybe I'll still come back after that um rather than you know it be like they take a year off don't get paid and be like yeah I don't really want to come back like I feel like that will give them a little bit more motivation to come back if they if they choose to um and it I think it all depends on the case as well like it, it can't be just like somebody just like oh I just want to take off just to take off like Maybe there's mental health issues or family issues, things like that, um, which I think is what's going on with Talvin Smith. Um, something in that case where you can go to the league office and be like, hey, I had this issue. 
um, you know, they go out investigate and then, you know, they can get like maybe that, you know, pay absence basically. So you know. I, I remember I don't know if you guys remember this like, linebacker, rookie linebacker for the San Francisco 49ers had a great season. He was one of fourth, fifth round pick for them. Skoda, right? What? Skola or Skoda? The linebacker? Mm-hmm. I forget his name. Chris Borland, I think his name is. Borland? Oh. And um, in, he abruptly retired because he was afraid of the whole concussion story that was coming out and how he said that he's worried about his mental health and everything and that kind of stuff. Chris, same question to you in terms of what I asked for Jerome. Should we uh, want some sort of policy change by the NFL to help give players a better perspective of where they want to take their careers? No, it'll be it will be nice to have that, but... Um, in the end, I don't think the NFL is empathetic towards that. Um, we've seen time and time again that the NFL, all they care about more or less is their bottom line. So they're going to tell you what you need to hear in regards to uh, how they handle domestic violence disputes, uh, DUIs, um, in terms of what happens with um, Hall of Famers and them applying for, like, we should get covered for for at least at the very minimum health insurance, and we still haven't heard anything back from the NFL. Um I think in the end, um, it's it should be up to the players in terms of you know if you're going to make this decision to you know step away from uh, the NFL, then you then unfortunately as right now until the NFL you know decides to like wise up on it, um, take take care of their own affairs and make sure that that they're perfectly um, capable and you know let's set up. So that they could take away, so they can have that leave of absence and come back if they want to. All right, all right. Well, either way, uh, we wish Tony Smith something but the best in his journey towards self recovery, and hope that he comes out not only as a better football player, but a better man and a better individual as a whole. But I'm not really concerned in terms of the Jacksonville Jaguars' ability to fill in for Telvin because they drafted my. Um, Josh Allen, the linebacker out of Kentucky, with seventh overall pick, so they should be pretty set in the in that position in terms of having a good replacement for Telvin. And with uh, and with on the subject of rookies, we're actually going to go one year over to sophomores in terms of the 2018 rookie class. Um, and you know, this is an exercise that every single network takes a, takes part in. Now we're going to do it too. We're going to go whether who's going to have a sophomore leap or a sophomore slump in terms of the 2018 rookies and we have plenty to choose from from Baker Mayfield to Saquon Barkley to Darius Leonard and Philip Lindsay there's so there's so many players to choose from but ultimately if you got from you guys I only want two of them one as a slump and one as a leap and Jerome you said you had a surprise pick for us earlier when we were discussing the subject so let's go with you on that one first well since you're only allowing me one I'm not gonna do that but the guy I thought that Chris Martin would have said was um, Maddox. They, I think um, Chris probably would have thought Maddox was as the person that was going to, uh, you know, uh, have that leap. So I, I Avante, think, uh, the Avante, Avante Maddox, cornerback for the Eagles, yeah. And you know, I, make that. us being Eagles fans, you know, I thought, you know, that might have been one of them, he said. But I'm going to go in a different direction. And I'm going to say, I was thinking about Darren James. Um, I think he's kind of an obvious pick. 
So I'm going to um, not go that way. I'm going to go uh, a pick that not a lot of people are talking about, but I think he's going to have a good season, maybe even a really, really good season. DJ Moore from the Carolina Panthers, wide receiver. Um, the guy is the guy flashed at the end of the year. Um, I think like he's going to be the number one guy now. He got some pieces around him now. Um, people are going to be keen in on Christian McCaffrey a lot more now because they know that he's going to be um, – the guy that Cam Newton, you know, checks down to if Cam Newton actually starts um, the beginning of the season. Um, but I think DJ Moore is going to be one of those wide receivers that really take that next leap and really have a really good sophomore year. Um, and the guy, the next guy I'm going to say, and it hurts me to say this because I really like this guy. I've been saying this forever. I love, I love me some Nick Chubb. But I think that he's going to be one of the guys that's going to take that leap back. And it's not because of him. It's because of what the team got. They got Odell Beckham now. They got um, Kareem Hunt now. So it's going to be a rotation in there. I I was hoping he'd be the number one running back. But once Kareem Hunt comes back and, you know, it's going to be a rotation and Kareem Hunt is going to eventually take that number one role. Um and then, like I said, you got Odell Beckham, you got um, uh, uh, Jarvis Landry, um, you got you still got um, David Njoku. So you got so many weapons, and you're going to have to spread that around, especially if you got Odell Beckham. He's going to want the ball. <laughs> so um, I just think that he's going to take that step back. He's going to have that sophomore slump. Unfortunately, it's not going to be for his talent. It's going to be because of the team that's around him. So. I like, I like that. Uh, so we got Chubb and we have um, DJ Moore. DJ Moore as your slump and uh, take the lead candidates respectively. Uh, Chris, what are you, what, who are your two? Well, first off, I just want to say how much I hate DJ Moore because he cost me my playoff game last fantasy football playoff game last year. Fantasy football does not apply to this conversation. <laughs> It does when I lost $175, but yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, in terms of sophomore slump, I'm going to go with the obvious pick. I'm going to go with Shaquan Barkley. Uh, the Giants did not improve their offensive line. Um, you traded Odell Beckham for – you didn't get the right proper amount of compensation for him back. Your weapons are going to be Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate on the outside. Eli Manning is still your quarterback. And – yeah, teams are just going to be keying on Saquon Barkley. They're going to be putting eight in the box. And even if Eli Manning is a quarterback, then you're going to go with um, Daniel Jones, who's never completed 60% of his passes in anywhere in anywhere in either high school or college. So they're going to be stacking the box for Saquon. Saquon is an amazing, talented, phenomenal running back. He's already a top five running back. But uh, what he's going to be expecting, especially playing in the NFC East with – the Eagles defensive line, the Redskins improving uh, defense as well, and, and the Cowboys um, with uh, Demarcus Lawrence and all them. I think it's definitely going to take that back. Uh, now, let me just interrupt the discussion for a moment. Now, we saw teams stack up the box last year against Saquon when Odell was injured and out for the rest of the season. He's still dominating. So what makes you think that the slump's going to be much more significant than they're just going to be a similar case as last year? Um, full a full um, full game tape. Um, the Giants' offensive line is still relatively the same, so obviously they're going to notice um, 
um, where Shaquan Barkley likes to hesitate, which what holes that he likes to go to. Um, is he stronger learning from the left side or the right side? So there's going to be a full um, tape of Saquon Barkley out there, and they don't have the offensive line like a Dallas, like Dallas and Zeke, so that he's still going to be able to put up those numbers. All right, all right, fair enough. And who is your player on the rise? And it's going to be another running back. It's going to be on Johnson from uh, Detroit um, and uh, rookie running back from Auburn last year. I think on Johnson is definitely going to take um, centerfold in terms of being the star player of that offense. What you saw in limited snaps uh, last year, he was able to you know, be that all-purpose back um, in terms of getting five yards of carry, hitting the holes hard, and uh, being that receiving bat in the backfield. I think on Johnson, in an offense in which they need somebody to step up, um, obviously, you got away from Golden Tate. Uh, Erica Brown is gone. Uh, Calvin Johnson has been gone. So, obviously, Matt Stafford is going to need a lot of help. And I think if you delegate a lot more to carry on Johnson, if he holds up for 16 games, and Detroit might win a lot more games that, uh, this year than they did the year prior. Now, from from both of you guys, so we have two running backs with Chris. We have carry on Johnson and Saquon Barkley. And we have Nick Chubb. And DJ Moore, DJ Moore for Jones. So, so three running backs and a wide receiver. I'm surprised neither one of you guys picked any quarterbacks for this discussion because those are usually like the hot topic of debate for this. Yeah, topic. they're the e- they're the easy choices though. I mean, like you could always go, all right, you know, Baker Mayfield. He might take the leap forward because of his talents. You know, um, um, you could say Lamar Jackson can go as a summer summer. As, sophomore slump because, you know, now people are going to be able to key on, on, you know, his running game and things like that. So, like, I think the the easiest things to say is the quarterbacks, you know. You want a hot tip, right? <laughs> well, that, and just not in love with any quarterbacks that are going to be, you know, going to take that leap forward. If anything, I think most of them are probably just going to stay the same or just take a leap back. I will say that, like, if, if I had to make my picks, my, my two picks were quarterbacks. In terms of on the rise, I was going to give it to Josh Allen for the Buffalo Bills, mainly because the Bills have been supplying him with plenty of weapons that they didn't give him last year. He has a little bit more support in terms of, of the offensive line. Like, he actually has a resemblance of an actual team a lot more than what he had last year. So I could see, like, Allen, if he can actually narrow down his accuracy a little bit more, being a major candidate to take the leap. And in terms of regression, it's kind of weird for me to say, I'm going to give it to Baker Mayfield in that sense because I know they surrounded him with talent too in terms of Odell and Jarvis and Njoku and Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb and all these other players. But for me, it'll come down to whether Baker can actually uh, can actually like mesh with all this talent in the sense of being able to distribute the ball equally because you have two ball hogs and eight personalities in Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. And despite them being friends in college and growing up, these are two alpha dog personality players who will, who in most cases will likely clash between each other despite having started off as friends. So, and that might, have, might possibly affect the production of Baker Mayfield, but that's just... Worst case scenario in terms of my in terms of my vision book. Um, but in, but we'll never know what happens until we actually see the 2019 NFL uh, NFL season start, which won't be for the, uh, for the next four months. So in the meantime, we're just 
we just feed off our speculation. And that'll just about do it for us here at the Air It Out podcast. Thank you for listening. I was Juan Guarri for listening to Jerome Jones and Chris the podcast. Remember to find this podcast inside the hashes.com. You can also find us on social media with Facebook at, at inside the hashes, uh, on Twitter with at inside hashes and on Instagram at inside the hashes. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.